Everybody is sick nowadays. Taco Fall cracks the all-star voting, and we look ahead to 2020. It's the Friday Lockdown Celtics podcast. Millie's Let's Go! Rainy days back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy, most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Melly. Happy Friday. I don't know. Does this even feel like a Friday? It's like New Year's week. This past couple of weeks. This is the time of year where like no one knows what day it is anymore. But it's a Friday. And the Boston Celtics getting ready to take on the Atlanta Hawks tonight, Friday night, uh, at home at 7 p.m. The first of uh, a few back-to-backs this month. Joining me today to talk about that and much more is Chuck McKenney of RedsArmy.com. Chuck, how you feeling? I'm feeling better. You know, I had a, had a bit of the Celtics flu, but um, I'm perse- persevering <laughs> to uh, to make an appearance on this illustrious podcast. And, um, <laughs> you know, I can't agree with you. It's it's been a couple. I think it's almost two weeks now since I've been in the office, and uh, every day feels like a Sunday or a Saturday or a holiday Monday. So um, it's going to be nice to come out of this uh, haze, so, <laughs> believe it or not. Somebody had it like there's a vile tweet tweet going around where it's like. You know, December 24th, Christmas Eve, 25th, Christmas Day, whatever. And then there's like this stretch of days where it's like every day feels like Friday, proving time is a social construct. And then, like, then reality hits. Um, I think reality is going to hit for us on Monday, the 6th, where people are going to be like, okay, it's 2020. I'm back at work. Uh, But yeah, so you're sick. I'm sick. I missed practice on Thursday. So did Kimball Walker. Jalen Brown was back at practice. There's this thing going around. Like if you just are somehow in related to the Boston Celtics at all, like all of the Celtics are sick. Reporters are sick. Bloggers are sick. Like it, just say the word Celtics three times and you get the flu. Like that's just uh, one of those ridiculous stretches here. So let's just start with a couple of news items. The, the Atlanta Hawks Friday night, Jalen Brown should be back after his sinus infection. Kemba Walker officially questionable. Uh, I don't think that matters. Like if you, <laughs> if you can't, if you can't beat the Atlanta Hawks without Kemba Walker, but with all of the other players that you have, you just start, it might be better. You just start Marcus Smart and have him just follow Trey Young. I don't even know if Trey Young is healthy. I don't even know if he's playing. Uh, I, I, yeah, I thought I I saw that he's probable, but uh, but that's a that's a uh, put uh, air quotes around probable because I'm not I'm, I'm not certain. But if he's not in the game, then that makes it even less exciting. Um, at least I, I would enjoy watching him get his uh, while the Celtics are winning. But uh, without Young, um, yeah, I think it it could be quite the uh, quite the snooze fest. Yeah, so great for me who has to be there and working and trying to make something interesting out of it. Uh, that'll be the day where like Tom, Tom Weserholm and I, after the game, we're like, do we really need to write anything about this game? Because who cares? Like Friday night, it, they should win by 40. They really should. Um, which means they probably won't because that's how it goes. But anyway, so no Kemba shouldn't matter. 
Uh, Jalen Brown, the other thing with Jalen Brown over the weekend, uh, not weekend. See, I just did it. Uh, <laughs> a couple days ago, he was honored by, uh, honored at the state house by with Nick Collins, the senator from Suffolk County, uh, for his philanthropy, philanthropy work. Say that three times fast. And, uh, which is nice because, you know, you always hear about, we, we sit here talking about basketball and here's a nice moment for Jalen Brown to be, at the state house, uh, getting this proclamation, getting this citation, uh, you know, meeting with dozens of school kids, and and really having this this great moment. His mom's there. It's really nice to see Jalen get honored for the work that he's done in the community. Yeah, I mean, not to sound too corny, but he he really is an amazing young man, and it, it's usually, um, you know, I don't want to stereotype, but but generally guys at his age are still trying to make their mark in the league, still pushing for endorsements, still pushing for the big sneaker deals. And this sort of stuff um, usually comes a little bit later. But but Jalen's definitely a different breed of guy. Um, you know, he's making education a big priority of his. And you, you can just you can just see it. If he's doing this stuff now, it's 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 only going to grow as his fame grows. Um, so it's, it's, it's nice to see it's, uh, he's definitely deserving. I mean, his play on the court has been, has been nothing short of spectacular. So, um, it's, it's, it's all deserved. Yeah. And we talked about this, uh, Tom Westerholm and I did earlier this week, you know, because we were talking about, uh, Jason Tatum, he was asked about his commercials and all of that stuff, how he, you know, wants to be in a movie someday. And I'm sure Jalen Brown would love to be in a movie someday too. Uh, cause who wouldn't? Like, that would be fun. Right. You know, you're in your early twenties. You're like, yeah, I'd love to be in a movie. That'd be awesome. But, uh, Jalen seems to have these, these pursuits where, you know, he's at MIT and Harvard and doing these things and he's, he's, he's taking, uh, his role in the community very seriously. And it's not to say that Jason Tatum isn't cause he does a lot of things too, but, um, you know, he's also got a kid at home. Like he's, he's not doing some of the same things that Jalen Brown does. And, and none of it's like, just because Jason Tatum shoots a few commercials, it doesn't mean that that's wrong, but Jalen Brown, uh, very deserving of getting that award for, uh, his community work. The other thing that we, uh, that came out today, the last bit of uh, news, I should, I, I guess is the, um, the all-star returns, the first round of voting and, the best part about this is that Taco Fall is currently sixth in the Eastern Front Court voting, ahead of Miami's Bam Adebayo, <laughs> uh, ahead of Gordon Hayward, ahead of Andre Drummond, which is totally deserved, and DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, I just, I'm here for any sort of Drummond slander. I just don't like his game. So I would take Taco Fall over Andre Drummond too. But like, it's funny that. In the first round of voting, like Bam Adebayo has been, I guess every year there's like an NBA like darling. There's a player that everybody's like, oh man, that guy is just so great. And I think Bam Adebayo might be that guy. Yeah. Uh, just so to see Taco fall ahead of Bam is just like hilarious to me. No, I mean we we see it here, right? And and with the chance for for him to to, sure. to play when when he's on the roster, um, but you know it's it's just it's clearly more than just Boston. I think um, obviously he's a somewhat of an international figure too. So, um, but to have that sort of uh, you know, I was completely stunned that he would be 
that high amongst yeah. the returns. I mean, I think he's all, he also has more votes than Donovan Mitchell, uh, Devin Booker. Uh, there are other, <laughs> you know, kind of star players that he has more. I mean, what happens if, now I know all-star voting is only, I think, 50% of, um, yeah, the, the fan sort vote, of yeah. uh, the, the formula, but, but, but I mean, the guy's, <laughs> he's played about eight minutes of the NBA season. Um, and I know he's miles away from, from getting on, but it's just, it's just, uh, it's just funny. I, I, I do appreciate it. At first, you know, I'll be honest, I thought it was a bit of a sideshow, a little gimmicky, um, cause I don't think he's anywhere near ready to, you know, contribute seriously, uh, on this team. Uh, he can help out in spots. Uh, but, but I mean, I, you know, even a, you know, a cranky cynic like myself can, can enjoy <laughs> seeing him with 110,000 all-star votes. You are definitely the cranky cynic. Uh, yeah, it's just funny. It's just funny because because it's meaningless. Because no one is like in before they changed the rules, there would be like, uh, oh god, I can't believe the fans are going to do this. And, yeah. may, and you know, maybe some radio host would just get like mobilize the troops and get Taco Fall voted into the game. That that's just not going to happen. Uh, first of all, the top three in the front court. We'll make it, and if it holds, and it should hold, Giannis, Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, that should be the Eastern front court. That makes sense. And so Taco's not going to sniff any of that. It doesn't matter if he if he continues to get more votes than Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo is going to make the All Star game. Like between the coaches and the players, that's going to that he'll make it. So um, this just that means that we're allowed to like enjoy. The, you know, Taco's got more votes than Bam. Taco's got yeah. more votes than Donovan Mitchell and all of that stuff. Like that, I think that's just hilarious. And, and I, I was early on like somewhat cynical too. It was like, you know, let this guy just try to be a basketball player. But, you know, it, I think it's just morphed into people want to see him and, and, and he's, he's embraced it and people love him. So it's, you know, it's fun. It, it's fun. And if you uh, if you look at his per thirty six numbers, <laughs> they're ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, how can you how can you deny that he's uh, an all star? Uh, let me see here. Jeez, I, I, I just lost him. But he's like averaging like forty something points and thirty six thirty six rebounds uh, when uh, per thirty six or something like that. So it's like really hilarious. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's obscene. I think, um, you know, just to talk about some of the other C's who, you know, uh, Tatum's like fifth in the Eastern front court yes. with 364,000 and Kemba is third, just a hair behind Kyrie with 430,000 and Jalen, you know, he's seventh with 156, just a few thousand behind Simmons, more votes than Lowry. It's just interesting to see. I know Boston fans will always turn out and be supportive. But I do like to see how um, fans around the league might also be, you know, perceiving some of the Celtics' young players. I mean, Simmons has a lot more national uh, shine on him than Jalen, sure. I think, anyway. And to see him right there with Simmons, I just think it shows that, you know, the rest of the league, the, the rest of the, 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 the fans around the league are paying attention, right? So they, they see what we see kind of sort of thing. Yep. You know, I, I think that's, I, I think that's great. I think I, I, I agree. And I think Simmons, like, 
my first pass on the All-Star, like I did a, a Mass Live All-Stars 1.0, uh, I didn't put Simmons on the All-Star team. And I I think if, if Philadelphia 76ers fans should not want Ben Simmons cause on, on the um, All-Star team because fans of the team want as many of their team on the All-Star team because it's just a matter of pride, right? You want – they yeah. want – you know, all they want four guys on there. They want Tobias Harris. They want to put all Al Horford on there. But if you look at, I, I keep going back to Simmons before this, I think it was preseason. He was asked about his lack of a jumper and his response was, well, I'm still an all-star. And so <laughs> I, I think that if, if Sixers fans really are as frustrated as they seem to be, I've said, I said on the, the Wednesday Locked On NBA podcast, the number one thing that can fix the 76ers is Ben Simmons being uh, a jump shooter. Somehow, even if it's a mid-range jump shooter, even if they, you know, when they back off of him, if he could take like two steps in even and hit a jumper, like that's not the most, like that's not the thing that anybody wants generally, but for Simmons... If he could just take something like that reliably, like I'll take him having DeMar DeRozan's offensive game right, right now before like, like just something that makes you have to respect him beyond the rim. So it, it him being an all-star just kind of reinforces the, I don't need to do these things. I don't need to do it because you know, I'm, I'm already one of the best. So yeah. You guys figure it out. You guys get me the talent. I don't need to change. You need to change. So that I, I think from just just in the Ben Simmons thing, like he he, I don't think he should be an all star because he's just the same guy that he's been. So I think Jalen Brown, if he can continue this level of play, he definitely should be an all star. Uh, the the efficiency numbers are just off the charts and and hopefully he can continue to take and make shots at this rate because if you really dig down in the the individual numbers he's he's really good yeah i mean you see someone like derrick rose i think he's fourth amongst guards for the pistons and you know i think it's yeah, a lot of folks are like it's a great story his numbers are good he's you know i think he still has a lot of injury pity um you know and some of it deservedly so but, you know, for me, looking at those two types of players, you know, it would be Brown all day over sure. over, over Derrick Rose getting getting those numbers for a Pistons team that is just like, you know, still going nowhere. Um, and even Zach Levine. So, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know if those guys are going to get in above Jalen. I think, you know, it depends on, you know, um, obviously what the coaching staff uh, wants. But and who knows, Kyrie could. I mean, he'll probably he, – he's deserving, but he hasn't played. Yeah, I was so. going to say, is he, though? Because he only played 11 games this season, so. Yeah, yeah, I just – right. I mean, he has the – you know, he has the legacy. Um, but you're right. Uh, he's um, – you know, he might get picked and then be used as, like, an injury sort of. You know, he's not going to play. I, I don't know. Um, but that's – I mean, just the Kyrie drama in Brooklyn, the Horford complaining, you know, and I shouldn't say complaining, but, you know, Horford in the six, like you said, the Sixers haven't figured it out and Horford is not playing as well as he's played. It's just, you know, I think it's kind of cool to sit back here and enjoy the, um, 
<laughs> dysfunction among some of the other teams in the in the sure. league. You get the Celtics three All Stars and watch the Sixers kind of be a sixth seed and watch the the Nets do very well with Spencer Dinwiddie and then. Once Kyrie comes back, all of a sudden start to fall by. Like, what if Kyrie comes back and they they go on a losing streak? <laughs> They're not gonna. I mean, it doesn't matter, right? Oh, this, it doesn't matter for the team, but like, it matters for Kyrie. I mean, think about all the stuff that he's gonna hear. I don't want him to turn hear it, Kyrie but he heard all. I mean, he heard some shit last year. You know, I think. Brooklyn's all in on pairing him with Durant. So whatever happens this year is just kind of filler, right? Right, right, right. right. I don't I mean there's they're not gonna they can't do anything. It's they right. need a season of those two guys together to see where they where they are. Right. For sure. And then For you sure. know between now and then it's all kind of noise, internet noise. I mean you know it gets to Kyrie as much as he says he doesn't want to listen to it or he doesn't listen to it. So yeah, I think in within the Twitter sphere it'll be it'll be hot. But you know, I think within Brooklyn they're just like, you know, they're gonna pair those two guys together and then see what happens. All right. I don't want to turn this into a Kyrie thing. I'm done. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like, How I does that always happen? It always like it always comes up. Well because he's sitting there with Kemba Walker, like neck and neck with Kemba Walker, so uh, it's just interesting. All right. We're going to come back. The hot thing now is to talk about what to look forward to in 2020. So we're going to do that over the next two segments when we come back here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. You are Locked On Celtics. Your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I woke up this morning to Jay King of The Athletic, formerly of the Locked On Celtics podcast, with his 10 things to watch in 2020. And then I saw Adam Himmelsbach of the Boston Globe, who has never been on the Locked On Celtics podcast, talk about his 20 things to watch in 2020. (laughs) And I joked, well, shit, I'm going to do 30 things. Uh, I never got to 30 things, but we'll talk about however many things we want to look forward to uh, this uh, for 2020. And I guess that can expand. I don't think we have to go too far beyond the actual season, but having gone through the first couple months, Christmas has come and gone. The so-called official start of the season has come and gone. We've seen what we want to see. Like, I think we can look at this team and say, all right, what, should we be watching moving forward? And I think the number one thing for me is, is this defense for real? Um, they're the fourth ranked defense overall, but they have had stretches where at the, after Christmas, where they were in the bottom third in the NBA defensively. And now they're entering this really tough part of the schedule. Now, tough part of the schedule in as, as far as, number of games, but not so hard as far as quality of the opponent. So I just wonder, can the Celtics, Chuck, keep this up? Can they maintain the fourth best defense in the NBA? I mean, I I believe so. I don't, I mean, individually, they, I mean, watching Tatum and Brown play, especially Tatum, I mean, his gains this season I feel like I, you know, Brown used to get all the credit for being like the two-way player. Watching Tatum play now and just his length and just his ability to get deflections and blocking shots, I feel like he is, I mean, the way he's elevated his game, 
Uh, so that, so they have those individual pieces. Um, I think where they obviously with smart, I mean, you have three spectacular individual defenders. Brad knows how to, how to mix it all together. Um, so I don't, I mean, sure, teams are going to kind of, they're going to go through stretches where the defense wanes or the offense dips. Um, but maybe not top four, but I think, you know, certainly top eight or something like that. I don't see why that would be considered a stretch. They have, they have plenty of athletes. They have smart players. Um, you know, uh, Brad's teams, you know, since he's been here, they've been a defensive team. And I think we attributed a lot of it to Horford, but we've seen that that's not necessarily the case with this group. Um, you know, do they have holes? Yes. We see it with the rebounding. We see it sometimes with the interior defense, but they have a lot of plug and play pieces, right? We've seen a little bit of Grant Williams and his, you know, his IQ and his positional defense, um, you know, when, uh, has kind of, um, blossomed a bit lately and that's without Rob Williams on the court. So, I mean, it makes up for uh, what we see with, with Ennis Cantor. So I, I, you know, the short answer to your question is yes, I think they have enough pieces to, to, to be a strong defensive team for the, for the remainder of the season. Yeah. I, I think part of it depends on, can they maintain the level of effort necessary to, um, to maintain this that that ranking for the Boston Celtics, it's all about the effort and trying. Um, they look at the schedule coming up the next week and a half. Atlanta, Chicago, back to back. Those should be two wins. But if you're not careful, Atlanta could put up 120 points. Chicago could put up 120 points. Washington on Monday uh, can put up a ton of points. Now. Uh, San Antonio at home on Wednesday, back to back with Philly on the road. Uh, that could be, you know, that that could be a game where those could be two games where they their defensive rating is helped, but like just because of the style of play from the other team. And then the New Orleans Pelicans a week later. So that, those are the next uh, six games for the Boston Celtics. You got six games over the course of a, less than a week and a half. They have potentially potent offenses and a lot of, a lot of travel, two back to backs in that stretch. If there's anything that hurts their, their defensive rating and, and knocks them down a peg, it's that there are going to be points where they're like, Oh, I just don't care. Like they're, yeah. they're up, they're up 20 against Chicago and they give up a 15 nothing run and they're all right. We got to try just like they did against Charlotte. Like, oh, we, we got this in hand. We're just going to back off a little bit. And then boom, boom, boom. Uh, so opportunities to really hold teams down to like less than 100 points are going to end up being like you win 118 to you know 107. And it's like comfortable, but you still give up 107 points. And so uh, I, I think that they certainly have the potential to keep that defensive rating up. Uh, but – do they have the desire and will they have the energy in this month where, you know, ne the next two weeks they have, they play four games per week. And then it's just, uh, and then you got like home road back to backs. 
it's it's just difficult. It's just difficult for for them to maintain that energy. I think. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a grind. I mean, this isn't the 2010 Celtics with like Rasheed Wallace and KG, and you know they're not an older group, so they're not going to take prolonged nights off. Um, but I but I think so. Really, what you're saying is okay. If 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 the primary concern is effort, I mean, the big picture. If if it's just effort, that means from what I hear from you. Talents there defensively, coaching's there defensively. Do you, does that mean come playoff time, you're 100% convinced they're going to be well, uh, a top defensive team? I mean, they they certainly could be. The problem is that they they really don't have. When is their next practice? Um, I don't know that they have another practice coming uh, that they can go. I don't think they have another practice until like the All Star break or after the All Star break. So my my fear is bad habits. Uh, so. The first answer to your question is yes, I think they could turn it on if, if, if they even slip to that level. Uh, I'm not saying that they will. I'm saying that they could. And if they do, yeah, they can get back to what they used to be. But, you know, I, I think that it's, you know, there, there is some danger. And, and the second thing is like, once you start building bad habits and if you have a month of bad habits, what, when you turn things on, are you, how how long does it take to get back to that? It's not my biggest concern in the world, but like just defensive slippage, and especially at the three point line, their, their three point defense has slipped a little bit this year. They're prone to giving up big nights yeah. from beyond the arc, and and that's obviously that's something that can really really hurt you. So um, uh, I'm not they've proven I think that they can be a very good defensive team. I want to see it continue. Like if they can continue through January. With all of the things that I said, if they can continue and still be a top five defense, then I'm like, yeah, baby, that is absolutely for real. Like right now you feel like, oh, it's like, it's real, but you know, it's like, it's like that part of the relationship where like, I think, I think I love her, but I'm not going to say I love her until I just want to make sure, you know what I mean? Like if, but if you get past like January, you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to say it tonight's the night I say, I love you. Like that's, I think, where we are. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's the offense, right? So let, let's just pivot real quickly to the offense. I mean, I thought they would be more efficient and more explosive offensively. I don't know. The defense I'm less worried with. And I don't know, right? I mean, uh, they're, they've been a top 10 offense at times, right? But when I look at their efficiency, I think their shooting numbers were, are, are, are middle of the pack and lower. So I guess I, I always figured, I think going into the season, they would be better offensively. They'd be slippage defensively and they'd be outscoring their opponents. Um, now I know, you know, losing smart, he's a playmaker. Hayward was really playing well and then he went out. So I'm sure those two things had an impact, um, with the offensive, uh, efficiency numbers. But for me, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm less concerned about defense and bad habits, um, and more concerned about the offense and offensive bad habits. Well, bad let, habits. let me clarify that the defensive rating for the Boston Celtics is 104.3. That's second in the NBA. Um, and the offensive rating is fourth. At 112.3. Oh, Jesus. So, so we're really bitching about, we're yeah. really finding something to bitch about. <laughs> it's not that I'm bitching about anything. I'm just looking forward. I'm just looking to see. I'm projecting outward. This is looking forward to 2020. So I think, I think you hit the nail on the head though with, with everything. With Hayward out for a significant portion of December, 
But defense is effort. You don't have to be a good defensive, uh, a good basketball player in general to be a good defensive player. So, you know, you see like the Andre Robertsons of the world who can't hit a damn shot to save their lives, but they're elite defenders. So they find their way on the floor. So that's to say that energy and effort and a knowledge of the system can get you to the right place defensively. It doesn't matter if you can make a pass, dribble the ball or shoot the ball. So the Celtics are able to get somebody like Grant Williams who offensively missed his first 25 three pointers, but was able to at the beginning of the, you know, at the end of December switch onto guards and figure out his footwork and positioning where he can now ride that guard across the lane and out to the other side of the floor. Whereas the beginning of the, se- the, the, the month and in November, that guard would turn the corner on him. So that type of thing, I think, it can account for why the offense maybe not doesn't look so great, especially like the Celtics bench numbers are not good at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we talk about like when the Celtics are going to look forward to like are they going to sign somebody or trade for somebody? Oh, we need that bench help. We need that bench help. Well, yes, the Boston Celtics need a bench, uh, some help off the bench. But at the same time, if they can, if they stay healthy, then that bench gets bolstered because you're not relying on Grant Williams to give you 25 minutes a game. He's giving you 15. And when he's on the floor, he's with two good offensive players, and then he can either make passes to better players who can finish his passes, or he can play in a lot more space because those other guys get gravity and they're leaving him alone, and he can have a better chance to score on open shots. So I I'm, I go the other way. I'm less worried about the offense. Because I think they just have so much talent there that I think they can they can figure that part out. And the guys who are really dragging the offense down um, are are not going to be on the floor as much because as of right now they're they're mostly healthy. My only concern offensively, I would say, is do they get caught up in this I don't know all star buzz or whatever and get away from the ball movement thing that's worked so well? Do they do they revert to any sort of bad habits offensively and start to get a little too, little too much into the ISO? That would be my only thing, and I'm not that concerned with that. Yeah, I mean, do you think? Um, I mean, it's really now in the next, I don't know, six weeks when the trade deadline rumors really start to heat up. I mean, more names are starting to pop up. Um, you know, Towns is uh, unhappiness in Minnesota, Portland uh, moving CJ McCollum. Um, so there are more names and I know the Celtics, it's, we've talked about this. It's less likely that they make a splashy move, but, um, can you, uh, in your 2020 crystal ball, do you see them, you know, adding a piece, even if it's uh, on the minor side, even if it's, uh, um, something, someone for the, for the bench, or do you think when the dust settles and after the deadline that this is the roster that they're going to go forward with? Chuck, it's an excellent question. And I'm going to answer that when we come back after a break on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Locked On Celtics on Instagram. I know you guys have been waiting 
for my answer to Chuck's awesome question, uh, I don't think that the Boston Celtics make a move, a significant move. Um, and it just it, it continues to be, I think, just the lack of uh, the lack of money to to make things work. Um, the just they're just not positioned to make any sort of deal. And the one deal that I keep hearing people make, the argument that I keep hearing people make is Gordon Hayward for somebody. And so you, you take Gordon Hayward's 32 million and you think, well, Hey, maybe he'll opt out this summer. Uh, first of all, I don't think he's going to opt out this summer unless it is to sign a longer term deal with Boston. Like, I've heard that before. Hmm. I know, I know, I know you have. I know you have. <laughs> but here's the difference: the teams that have cap space to lure Hayward away, they're not the Philadelphia 76ers of the world. Right. It's Atlanta, Memphis. Uh, it's it's all bad teams. And as much as Gordon Hayward would love to have, I'm sure, the, another huge, huge, huge payday. I don't, first of all, I don't think those teams are going to tie up their money in Gordon Hayward. And I just don't think that Gordon Hayward is going to want to go to those teams. And maybe he opts in and tries to get in on that 2021 free agent frenzy and, and has a better chance at like, well, we missed out on Giannis and Tentacumpo, but Gordon Hayward's playing awesome and we're going to get him for three years at, you know, a hundred million dollars or something, yeah. whatever, 90, whatever million dollars, something that they wouldn't get from the Celtics. Or is he just going to be like, you know what? I'm happy here. Uh, let's, let's write it out. I'm going to opt out. We'll do a five year deal or four year, whatever it is. And I'm just going to stick around in Boston for the long term. Me and Brad, we're going to ride this thing out. So I, I don't think he opts out in order to leave. Like that's, I think that's even less likely than it was for, um, for Al Horford. So the, the, the reason I bring it up is I just don't think that the, we need to trade Hayward so we get something for him. I, that just doesn't exist. The other thing is I watched the Celtics with Gordon Hayward on the floor and it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like aside from all this right. other stuff, like Gordon Hayward on the floor playing with these guys is really, really good. And I don't want to mess that up. I really don't yeah. want to mess that up. Uh, no, that's such a that's such a great point, right? I mean, he was playing so well, and we learned from last year how important chemistry is. We have these four guys who seem to fit together, you know, add in smart um, that play together really well. So I'm I'm with you. I want to I want to ride that wave unless Hayward comes to you know where to go to Ainge and say I'm going to opt out and I'm going to look to sign elsewhere um, because. Robin's not happy here or I want to, you know, be my own, you know, be the number one option on, you know, a bad team or whatever. Then I'm I'm all in with Hayward and this group because of exactly what you just said. They fit. They all fit. It works. And, and, and they play well together. It's a lot of fun to watch them play. So I'm in no rush to, to usher Hayward out. No way. No, not at all. And, and like the, the other question always becomes and we, we keep talking about it. Um, who do they trade him for? Right. Like, I, I just don't know who's out there that y you say, all right, well, we're going to bite the bullet and we're going to give up Hayward and we're going to, we're going to make a move for a big. Okay. 
are you what are you getting andre drummond like if you, if somebody tells me andre drummond i, I just want to punch you in the face like i just don't like you just don't pay andre drummond that kind of money because if you trade for him you got to resign him and no. i no absolutely got no like no way and it's it's you can get by and the Celtics have gotten by with lesser, quote unquote, lesser centers. Like they, you say, okay, well, who guards Embiid? All right, that that's obviously a problem. Uh, Andre Drummond does not guard Embiid very well. Andre Drummond shrinks in the moment and it fires up Embiid. If you if you haven't watched, Joel Embiid gets like a superpower. He's like. Superman with the yellow sun of Earth just suddenly just becoming this like a, he's good enough, but when he plays Drummond, he like rises to you know God is this Wilt Chamberlain? <laughs> it just goes yeah. to another level. So that's not the guy that you get to to guard Embiid. The only thing you can do honestly to guard Embiid is to get creative and. Find a way to guard the Sixers where Embiid just is the only player that does anything for them. And you go with the old, remember when Dwight Howard was really good when he was in Orlando and they surrounded him with a bunch of shooters and the, and the formula was perk guards, uh, Dwight do not help, do not double stay home. And you got to get something similar, even though they don't have a ton of shooters on Philly, but you, you let you you deal with Embiid. Maybe you blitz him and double team him a little bit, whatever. But you you don't let the other guys beat you. You don't help off of Horford. You don't help off of Harris. You you don't let Ben Simmons get going and and, and get into the lane and and become you know where he what he is at his best. You you just say all right, fine. Embiid's gonna get his forty something. Can we can we do something to counteract that, or, or do something else defensively that can kind of neutralize everybody else? That, that yeah, absolutely. Really help. So, no, and and you know, so Embiid had I think um, the last time the two teams played, the Philly won again, right? And Embiid had the big game, thirty-eight points or something. Um, but I'm fine with with taking that approach, even if it's in a playoff series. Because Embiid's going to have to be that, be a consistently great player, which we've seen he had definitely has ups and downs. Um, is he going to be able to put up? Is he going to be able to average 35 plus points uh, in a series to beat the Celtics? Um, that's an awful lot on him. So uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, I agree with you. And plus Philly, I mean Philly isn't even playing that great. I'm not going to shape my roster to to beat them when. They're not playing well. They're like the sixth seed. Um, you know, if they were an obvious number one and, and, and steamrolling through through the, the rest of the league right now, then maybe you think about, okay, we're definitely going to see them. We definitely need some sort of help. Um, but I, I don't see it from them. They're, they're clinging to um, – there's a right. lot of uh, chatter there. They're not playing well. Guys are not happy. So I'm not making moves with – anticipating I'm going to face Philly. This just not happened. They're not playing well enough for me to fear them in that, in that way that could change. 
But even like you said, Philly playing at their best, I still think the Celtics have options, and I'm not. Uh, <laughs> it's such a it's such a frustrating scenario because not only do the Celtics have options to kind of counteract that, but there isn't an obvious answer. There right. isn't a go-to guy to say, go get this guy. The deal makes sense. If you don't do it, you're going to lose to Philly. So right. when you have those two things, it's just it's not even really debatable. It, it really is not. It's really, really not. Um, and you know what's happening right now with Philly is um, everybody's kind of stuck to their – preseason um, uh, assessment of what Philly is, and no one's willing to let that go yet. But the what we've seen, and they're at this point the sixth seed at 23 and 13 percentage points behind Indiana, uh, what we've seen is a team that doesn't fit together. Now, they could work that out, but... You can't deny that this team is not fitting and there are serious problems in Philly. They're talking like people are making the comparison to last year's Celtics team. There's a lot of similar stuff that's coming out from it just sounds the same. Maybe the dynamics aren't the same, but I think, Chuck, it's pretty obvious that the common denominator is Al Horford. And thank God we got him out of here. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, like they 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 can figure things out because you look at the talent. But they they have serious serious problems. If anything, if there's one team that I think should make a trade, I really think the Sixers should explore making a trade. Um, it, it, couldn't you sell, uh, sell high on Ben Simmons right now? It's sacrilegious to say, it seems like, but the fact is that he doesn't fit with Joel Embiid and they're not going to, they're not going to make it work with what they have. So build around Embiid, build around Tobias Harris and, you know, you, you got Al Horford there. Make a swap, get another point guard, get somebody else in there that can actually shoot and spread the floor and unlock the potential, the full potential of the Sixers. Yeah, I mean, that's a monumental admission, and I still think they're, they're trying to make it work. I don't know if you make that sort of deal in the middle of, of this season because um, they're still kind of young. Time. They're wasting time. <laughs> you are, but yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, I'm glad it's not us. I'm, not us. I'm certainly glad it's not us. But, like, yeah, I mean, they, they just, I don't know. I don't want to turn this into a rights to Ricky Sanchez thing. So uh, we'll just move on from that. Well, if we bring it back to the Celtics, um, you know, so there's still maybe some type of bench player that they go after. I mean, if they, uh, you know, somebody making five to seven million. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know who this person could be. It's a, It's definitely – um, maybe a shooter to come off the bench, right? I mean, I don't know who else, what other type of skill set they'd be they'd be looking for, right? That's that's who they would, you know, that's who they'd be interested in bringing on that type of player, right? Right, but who who is that guy? Yeah, I don't I mean, know. Like Doug McDermott makes seven point three million, but 
you're the, the Pacers aren't going to trade McDermott to they're not going to trade McDermott anyway, but they're certainly not yeah. going to trade him to the Celtics. Uh, who everybody wants to bring up uh, Davis Bertans. Uh, yeah. That that could be a guy that, but that's a that's a sell high type of thing, and you know that that's a guy that could certainly help in some respects. But he, aside from the shooting, which has been awesome this year, that's, it's not perfect, and you got to look at. The, the net effect of what are you giving up? And, and I, I just don't know that that's the real answer. I know plenty of people out there who think that is the absolute real answer, but um, I, who else? Marco Bellinelli, Marco Bellinelli, oh, somebody like that, <laughs> you know, like that's you, some shooting off the bench, but like now, so now who does, who does Boston give up for, for somebody like that? You, you have to give up, you know, what are you doing? Canter? Are you? No, I think it's something. I think for something like that, the draw is uh, draft picks, right? So it's like Poirier and maybe Edwards. You know, that's you're around five million. And then I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about a Memphis pick, but we have Milwaukee's pick this year or the Celtics pick this year. I mean, so yeah. you could put together. You know, you, the Celtics can't keep drafting uh, a couple players every, you know, every year in the first round. Um, so maybe some sort of combination there, you know, I don't know if this mystery player, what their contract status is, but that's what I'm thinking. Maybe there's a first round pick that they throw on and not that, you know, I'm sure Danny values them, even, even the ones in the later rounds. Um, but I think Langford staying put, you know, I think we've seen some flashes from him. Sure. Um, he's a lottery pick. You want to see how that works out. Right. Um, so it's just, I don't know. I think they have a couple guys that they could. Like, you know, like I just, I mean, Poirier has no value. For me, it's just a matching salary. The value comes with, is it a first round pick? And then you throw in a second round pick. Does Carson Edwards have any sort of value? Um, something like that. But, but again, it's, it's so vague that it's hard to, sure. It's hard to guess. I just don't see, it's going to have to be, and then the other thing is people say, okay, well, it's going to be the buyout market. Okay. But the Celtics have 15, spots yeah and who do you wave i mean i guess it could be carson edwards um he's but they you know they saw enough in him to give him a guaranteed three-year contract so they they've locked him up for a few years i mean it's it's less than two million per year so it's it's not like uh they've made this huge commitment to him they can get rid of him at any time but uh they obviously saw something in him and he I don't know if they want to give him up just yet. So, I mean, who is who is it that they wave? Is it Javante Green? They they seem to like him. I, I don't know. I don't. Why would it be Poirier? It would have to be Poirier. I I guess I guess, but like, I don't know. He doesn't sniff the court. They've had it. You know, they've had injuries with Rob Williams, and they play Grant Williams. They like Grant over yeah, over but, um, Vinny Sex Pants. Uh, <laughs> I know it sounds so, awkward when I say it because I feel awkward saying it. It makes uh, it very uncomfortable when you say it. <laughs> like extraordinarily uncomfortable. Like I might bleep it out. <laughs> but he to me he's the he's the guy and you know, I I don't know. But I, he's I, been hurt too. Like he broke his finger. So he he would have gotten some time, but he um he broke his finger at the same time that that Robert Williams hurt his hip. So That's true. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not denying that he would be a, a prime candidate to get cut, um, but at, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know that like the cutting somebody like earlier this season was like, Ojale was the guy for sure. But now Shemi's played better. Like he's, he's shown that he's got value on the court. He's finally hitting his threes. He's, he's got value and, and to just cut him. I, I don't know. Um, and, and this is what maybe there's a minor trade. Maybe there is a minor trade that they don't, if they don't feel like Poirier is going to do anything and they get Williams back and they've got three healthy centers and they want to go with a wing or something like that off the bench. And there's somebody at that four or 5 million range that Boston feels comfortable going to get then, then great. But I'm not, uh, I'm just not feeling a, a, an addition to this team. It's possible, but I don't think it's going to be anything like people. It's going to, if it happens, people are going to be like, Oh, you're right. That's it. Oh, okay. Great. Like, so, but then we say, we told you so. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, which I guess the last thing, this brings me to the last thing that uh, I want to kind of look forward to is can any of these rookies, step up in lieu of a move. Can any of these rookies step up and be the guy between January, February, March, and April? Can one of these guys be your, I'm putting him in 25 minutes and he's going to get me 10 points. And I know I can plug him in to give me some solid minutes every day. Yeah. I mean, 25 minutes seems like a lot to me, but, but I think it's whatever it is, 15. No, no, but I, I, you know, I thought, I you know I, I was all in on the Edwards type in, in the summer and preseason, and I thought he could he could get you that eight to ten points playing you know fifteen minutes a game because he he was so explosive. But he's he hasn't been able to find a shot. But I think if you watch Langford, right? I mean I was down on him because he just was so unlucky with injuries. Um, but you when you watch him play, um, he he just has this sort of polish to him, even though he's still young. Yeah, I think more so than the other guys. So I think they're gonna. They're gonna to try to give him a chance to 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 show his stuff, and maybe he can maybe he can be that guy, or it's like or it's really a combination of Langford and Williams. Can they between the two of them? Can they get um, a significant? I'm speaking offensively. I think defensively, Williams has already proved his worth. Um, can they get an offensive contribution from those two guys? I, I mean, I'm I think. I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna hope they're gonna give Langford an opportunity. I mean, if he struggles or gets hurt again, then I don't know where they go. Do they do they give Waters more time? I mean, they have smallish guards, right? Waters and right now Edwards. What am I? No wait, Carson Edwards. Yeah. And Trey Waters, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so so I mean, they like both of them, but I don't. But I don't know. I feel like Ed, they've already get, given Edwards a chance, and I don't know. Not that they're gonna write him off, but. He got playing time at the start of the season. I think it's now it's Langford's time, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna see what what he can produce. Sure, I mean I, I think that that's fair to think that Langford could be that guy. First of all, lottery pick, so that's it's not out of the question that a lottery pick can produce in his rookie year on a team that is that, that surrounds him with a lot of talent. So he will have space with. You know, if he's on the floor with Kemba and Jalen or Jason or Gordon, like they'll, right. they'll give him space. Like, you, who as a defense are you going to help off of? To to you know, like, who are you going to pick? What, what poison are you going to pick? It's going to be Romeo Langford. So he'll get plenty of opportunity. I think he's got a, a decent shot 
at at being that guy. Um, Grant, if you look at his splits, like October, November, it's not great. But then all of a sudden, December shots start to fall. Like he he's shot forty eight percent, forty nine percent from the field in December. He actually hit a few threes. He shot twenty, almost twenty eight percent from three, which doesn't sound great. But it's a lot better than the zero that he was shooting in October, November. So that's right. something. Um, he obviously, so he puts together a December where his true shooting is at 58.4%. You want it from a power forward, you want to see that get up over 60, but he's close to 60. And his plus minus in December was a plus 16.5. And he did it all in 16 minutes. So in December, four and a half points, a couple of rebounds and assists. There's, that's pretty decent production. Um, so I don't know what that means going forward because you kind of split. You have 16, 17 games of not great, but the most recent 12 games have been pretty okay. <laughs> not great, great, but like like you said, defensively, he's really coming along. Um, oh. I, I think... I think that they'll both, both those guys, if anybody's going to step up and help, it's going to be both those guys. Um, if Grant can just start hitting that three, just a couple more, he's got the confidence to hit him. He's got the confidence to take confidence to take him. If those things can start falling with a little bit more regularity, then that changes so much for these guys. And then if, if Langford can come in and just hit a couple of shots and play decent defense, those two guys can be like your end of bench, little bit of production, because Shemi's going to hit a couple of shots, and you know Marcus Smart's coming in off the bench, so he he boosts your your bench production theoretically. So, um, and then Cantor has been playing very well off the bench. So all of a sudden, at full strength, you start to see okay the bench numbers that have been plaguing the Celtics all along. Maybe the, those have a tendency to to improve moving forward if the Celtics can like not have guys miss three or four weeks at a time, like one or two games, fine, but yeah. like. Two or three weeks at a time, like enough. Well, Wanamaker's dipped, right? I mean, his shooting percentage has dropped pretty steep, I think, over the over the last month or so. So he was playing really well. Um, but so it's a matter of, you know, I don't, uh, you know, so Brad, hopefully he he um, he he gets back, maybe not shooting as well as he was, but but you're right, these guys are going to have their ups and downs. So um, it's if one guy's down, do you have another guy who's up to kind of make up for that sort of um, lost production, but sure. you know, we've, like you said, we've seen, we've seen, you know, glimpses from, from certain players. So, um, you know, like, again, if they were to ride into the playoffs with this bench, I'd be like, okay, I think we had, you know, there's opportunity there. And then if there isn't, then you just, you know, you tax, you tax the big four or the big five. I mean, that's why they're playing them 32 minutes a game, right? For the regular season, because they're going to amp up their minutes somewhat in the playoffs right yep so for sure there you go all right i have it all figured out john that's it's all it that's all <laughs> yes thank you chuck uh looking forward to you writing this all down uh verbatim on redsarmy.com <laughs> of course uh all right so we didn't do a show yesterday this show went about an hour so we'll consider that like two shows for you hour. today it's a double episode didn't feel like an hour did it no, it's always it's just time flies with you, John. It's just a it's just so blissful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really have no reaction to that. Um, 
So, yeah, so this is your Friday episode. If this is your first time listening, please subscribe to the show so you can get this delivered to your app device every single day. You can always ask your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Celtics. That works. And you can uh, also give us a five-star rating and a good written review if you've already done all that. Uh, that really helps out. And you can share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.